Thanks so much, Colby. Thanks, Owen. Um, hello, church near and far. Uh, it's a privilege to gather today. I'm going to go short today. Okay, so that'll be good news. I can hear the cheers and the applause all the way over here. Um, but uh, we know that you're gathered up with family and uh, um, just to spend a little time together in God's word is so key. Uh, I think we're all kind of in a bit of a Yav P connector state of mind right now, uh, meaning everything's really slow. Is that not the slowest road in the Quad City area? I mean, the, the speed limit's 12 miles an hour. You go around a bend and it says decreased speed ahead. How can you go any slower? I got lapped by a grandma on her walker and she was going uphill. You know, it's bad. And then the name Yavpi Connector, it sounds like part of my intestinal tract, but uh, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of representative of like this whole state that we're in right now, this slowness, this calmness. We kind of, we want to be going faster than we actually are. Calm, um, calm is kind of difficult. It's, it's hard for, for most of us. In fact, I would kind of venture to say that maybe even for some of us, we, we like busy or maybe we even like the storms. Uh, because uh, in the middle of a storm or in the middle of busyness, we are forced to like focus on the storm, focus on the task, focus on the thing at hand. Uh, but in the midst of calm, um, where, where am I supposed to focus? I think we might like storms too because it allows us maybe to ignore some of the deeper issues, some of the stuff that's going on in our hearts, some of the stuff that's going on in our heads that we'd rather just ignore, that you can kind of ignore when things are busy, when the storm is present. But when stuff's calm, relatively speaking, then um, it's kind of tough. Hey, kids, I got a story uh, that I want to read. I got a book. Um, the book is, uh, it's a good one. And so uh, kids kind of huddle up because I'm going to read this this cool book to you, and uh, we've actually got the book pictures uh, for you. So uh, follow me as I, as I read along, okay? This is a fantastic kid's book, and uh, it's, it's right here. It's called Quiet. The book's called Quiet by uh, Tommy De Paola. Quiet. My, oh my, the grandfather said, Everything is in such a hurry. The birds are flying so fast. And our dog is rushing after the ball, said the girl. I see a frog jumping high into the pond, said the boy. And a dragonfly zooming over the water. Even the trees are waving their leaves. Busy as busy can be. Let's not be so busy. Why don't we sit here, you, next to me? The birds are just like us, taking a rest, singing their song. Our dog is tired. I think he's dreaming. The frog is sitting and blinking, and the dragonfly has stopped beating its wings. Let us be quiet, like all our friends, 
quiet and still. I can think when I am quiet. I can see when I am still. To be quiet and still is a special thing. The end. That's that book, Quiet, you know, and um, honestly, that I was going somewhere serious with it, but uh, after reading it, do you ever feel like you could write a children's book? I do. I mean, look at that. Is that rocket science? No. The trees are busy, Bobby. Look. Um, but really, the, the, the idea of quiet and calm and slowing down for most of us is, uh, at, at the, the very least, it's, it's a challenge. I don't necessarily want to talk about the storm that's at hand today. I'd rather talk about the quiet that is available to us today. I'd like to talk about the calm that we're kind of sort of being uh, forced into. Here's what I believe with all my heart. When you and I uh, push ourselves to the brink or are pushed to the brink by circumstances, I believe sometimes God will uh, allow or God will bring a season of calm in order to show us more of himself and more of ourself. And there is something very powerful that God can do in these calm or calmer days. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to open up to the book of Mark in your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, second book of the New Testament. Go to Mark, go to chapter four. And there's a, there's a familiar story in here that I would love just to kind of lean into uh, for just a moment. Mark chapter four, that uh, I, I got to kind of see in kind of a new, fresh way uh, when we were recently in Israel. Uh, but in Mark chapter four, we find ourselves in this amazing account of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, Mark takes a particular tact to his whole account. The first half of Mark, um, it, Mark details the sovereign son of God, Jesus Christ. Uh, everything Mark is highlighting in the first half of the book of Mark is pointing to the fact that Jesus is the sovereign son of God, his divinity. Then the second half of Mark, uh, he highlights that, that Jesus is also the suffering servant, that, that in his humanity, he came uh, to lay his life down. And so this passage that we're going to look at in Mark chapter 4 is uh, kind of a taste of both his uh, divinity and his humanity. But we're going to learn real quick just how sovereign God is over the circumstances in our life. Um, Mark chapter 4, look at verses 35 through 38 with me. I'll read them to you. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. 
Jesus was in the stern, the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And so when, when we were in Israel recently, we actually got to go to the region of Galilee and go to the Sea of Galilee. And uh, we went to the Mount of Beatitudes. I want to show you two pictures real quick. Here's a glimpse of uh, the Mount of Beatitudes. Somewhere in this vicinity of the picture that you can see here, Jesus would have delivered his Sermon on the Mount. And uh, Pastor John talked about it a while ago, the winds... Uh, that sweep up on Galilee are, are pretty tremendous. Sometimes they go from north to south. Sometimes they go from south to north. But Jesus would position him on these hillsides and was able then to deliver a message without any technology to huge crowds of people. And he'd sit on the upside, the high side of the hill. If the wind was coming from the south, it would carry his voice up word and, uh, and it would travel to uh, the people that were listening or flip that if, if the wind was coming from the other direction, then uh, he, would, he would move and stand at the bottom and that would carry his voice the other direction to the crowd. But then the Sea of Galilee, you can get a picture of it here right next to, I mean, doesn't that look serene? Take a, take a look at that. Sea of Galilee. And even when we were there, you can see the fisher uh, people that were heading out uh, people still do fishing out on the Sea of Galilee. But in this particular moment, Jesus has spent quite the day. If you read a little bit before what we looked at here, Jesus has uh, been teaching. He's been teaching crowds. Uh, he's uh, appointed his disciples. He's performed some miracles. He's taught again and again. And it's on that day, a, a pretty busy day, that then at the end of the day, it says that Jesus uh, wanted to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so he says, hey, guys, come on, let's get in the boat and let's shove out into the water. Um, just take note, even Jesus sought out calm days. Jesus wasn't afraid of calm. Jesus wasn't afraid of the quiet. In fact, he, he sought it out. And in the midst of storms that were uh, created by people or just a lot of ministry at hand, uh, then he, he would steal away and find a quiet, still place. And so he takes his disciples, they get in the boat and they shove out into the sea. And then you know the story, we just saw it here. A furious squall or storm comes up. That wind kicked into place and uh, it was so terrifying, even to these guys that were, were professional fishermen and had fished a great deal on this particular sea, they're getting freaked out and they're concerned and they turn to get Jesus' attention to find that he is asleep. He's zonked out in the back of the boat, asleep on a cushion and they, they wake him up. And they're looking at the storm and normal uh, thoughts of how are we going to overcome this? Um, we're we're going to die here. We're going to get into trouble here. They start to kick in. They go to wake up Jesus. And their question to him is, is so, so representative maybe of where you and I are at. Uh, they say, don't you even care if we drown? You know, when, when we get into these 
challenging circumstances in life, whether they're storms created by people or uh, physical, natural disasters, whatever the case may be, circumstances that are unpleasant to us, it gives us reason to question, God, do you even care? Or God, are you just kind of all together unaware of what's going on right now? That's relatively typical when we find ourselves in the storms. But what I'm convinced of so much is that when we get pushed to the brink or we push ourselves to the brink in the midst of a crazy, busy lifestyle, a crazy, busy world, that God will sometimes bring us into or allow us to experience calm. Allow us to experience some silence and some quiet. Why? So he can show us more about himself. Stuff that we would never catch when we're going 200 miles an hour. Or maybe show us something about ourselves that we would never catch when we're going 200 miles an hour. If you continue reading Mark chapter 4, look at verse 39. It says, he, Jesus, got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. The wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I want you to take a look at a picture also, again, of the Sea of Galilee, but we captured this one. We actually got to go out on the Sea of Galilee and take a look at this picture of the Sea of Galilee at its absolute most calm. I mean, it was like a sheet of glass out there. And you can just kind of picture a stormy sea, huge waves, white water. You can picture the frantic voices of the disciples. And then you can picture Jesus standing up. Uh, The cries of his disciples are what wake him up. And just as a side note, I love that that uh, for all the craziness that we are surrounded by, uh, the thing that will get Jesus' attention, Jesus always leans in, is always attuned to the cries of his people. And uh, he wakes up and it says that he rebukes the wind. He didn't just command it, but he He rebukes it. Uh, I don't know if the enemy had something to do with this whole situation or not, but what Jesus is proving here is I'm not just some guy. I'm not just a good teacher. I'm not just your buddy. I am the sovereign son of God. I've got the power over the wind and the waves. And if I just think the thought or speak the word, then I am the ruler over all creation. And immediately he says, quiet, be still. The wind died down and it was completely calm. Jesus uh, was seeking calm from a crazy day and found himself in the middle of an actual legitimate storm. But then here he created calm. Do you know how much Jesus loves to create 
calm waters in your world? I know you can have a turbulent heart, a stormy heart, a busy heart, a turbulent mind, a stormy mind, but Jesus can bring calm even there. Yes, he can physically calm storms. He can physically calm circumstances. But I think sometimes when we push ourselves so hard, so fast, that's when God shows up and says, I'm going to allow some calm or I'm going to forcibly bring some calm to your situation, to your world, maybe to the entire world. Why? Because I've got something that I want to show you about myself or I've got something that I want to show you about yourself. I've got a, I've got a friend named Logan a dear friend of mine. Um, He lives in California. I've known Logan for maybe 15 plus years. I actually met Logan when he was just a kid. And my oldest son, Braddock, when they first met was uh, barely a year old. Uh, Here's a picture of Logan and my son Braddock uh, a couple of years after we'd already And uh, two years ago, then uh, Logan's all grown up now and uh, Logan got married. And so uh, there's a picture of Logan and and his beautiful bride, Kelsey. Um, They're actually now expecting their first child just in the next couple of weeks. And so uh, Logan and Kelsey love you and and miss you an awful lot. I I could tell a bunch of stories about uh, stuff Logan and I have done adventures we've had, uh, trouble we've got into. Um, But the thing about Logan uh, that is so dear to me as a friend is that he is one that has always been there to have honest, real conversation. And so in other words, yeah, we've laughed and we've joked around and screwed around. But what I love about Logan is when we get together or on the phone, he doesn't pull any punches He shoots straight with where he's at, how he's feeling, what he's thinking, or what God's doing. And that's allowed me the freedom to do the same sort of thing. Logan is a friend that that doesn't allow me to miss anything uh, that God's up to in his life. Uh, He doesn't allow anything to uh, pass by that, that is real in his heart in his life. And uh, now all these years later, that shorthand, sometimes we talk on the phone for two or three minutes and just that honesty of that moment pierces through whatever circumstantially is going on. And we know uh, that we're not missing anything about each other or about what God's up to. And I get the sense that Jesus wants to be a friend like that, that, that wants to bring some quick and clear calm uh, to your day that he can pierce through whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is you're, you're wrestling with so that you wouldn't miss what God's up to uh, by uh, getting too busy or distracted. You wouldn't miss something important about what is going on in your own heart in your life because you're tuned into him. And sometimes in the calm waters, that's when God can really speak up loud and clear to you. There's just three things as I wrap up that I want to share. Um, Three things that I've been uh, just kind of 
preaching to myself recently that maybe uh, I'd pass on to you in particular from this passage. Three things that I want to tell you. Number one, as, as cheesy as it sounds, uh, your boat is not going to go down if Jesus is on board. More than anything, you need a relationship with Jesus Christ and a friendship with him. And he's got so much for you. And when, you're, when, you, when he's in your life, you're not going to sink. Uh, number two, I believe that it takes really, really deep faith to trust in a Jesus who appears to be sleeping. I know it's not always easy to figure out what God's up to or why it feels like he might be distant or absent or unaware or uncaring. But this is an opportunity to deepen your faith. And then thirdly, uh, please don't miss this season of calm that I get is kind of being forced upon us. If we miss or waste this season of calm, we also might very well miss something that God is wanting to show you about himself that you would never catch otherwise. You might miss something about yourself. You might miss the simplicity of a gift in this calm season, you guys, of God saying, hey, I'm here and I love you. Don't miss it. It's Palm Sunday and it marks that day where Jesus rode into Jerusalem, as Pastor Owen said, uh, in a humble fashion on the back of a donkey. And yes, people were excited and celebrating, but it was a pretty humble thing. In some senses, it was the calm before the storm as he would spend a week of ministry leading up to the cross. And the storm would rage when he went to the cross for me and you. And he took all of that punishment that you and I deserved on himself when he hung there on the cross as a substitute for me and you. And the storm raged there on that cross. But then he conquered sin, he conquered death, as three days later on Easter Sunday that we'll celebrate together next weekend, he did exactly what he said he would. He rose from the grave. He conquered sin and death and he brought calm and he brought peace for all of those who had put their faith and trust in him. He's got calm and quiet and peace for every single one of you. I'll be praying for that. Let's pray right now. And so gracious heavenly father, um, we just ask Lord that you would bring peace and tranquility, stillness to hearts and minds in our area and all across our nation and all across the world. That as we're forced into isolation, that we would be more aware of these calm days that you have brought at least the potential for them more than we'd be focused on the storm that's out there and that you would show us more of who you are and more of who we are as we quiet ourselves before you. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.